0: Great privilege to be here. Thank you for the invite to be here. Uh, We're enjoying being here. Already came down yesterday and loved the area that we were able to visit. A relatively unknown uh, area for us. And as I came down, you think, oh, what a beautiful area this is. But this morning, as I was just sat in the worship, I just felt that there was somebody in this place today that would. Rather not be in this area. That would think the grass looks greener elsewhere. That there is a sense of why am I here? Why am I living here? Why am I in this place? And, and God would just remind you that you are here for a reason. That he has grounded you here. He has purposed that you are here. And you might not have seen the full um, expression of that purpose. Why God would have you here. But I, I just feel to say, if you are looking to do a geographic, if you are looking to do a runner, a bit like Jonah, don't. You are meant to be here. Be rooted here. This is where you are meant to be. That's a, a little bit of an aside, but an important one, I think, for someone here. About seven years ago, as Chris has mentioned, um, I ended up working at Mattersea Hall, um, It's a special place for Jackie Masop, because that's where we first met. Uh, Matrimonial Bridal College and all that. But she wasn't a student. Her dad was the dean. And therein lies another story. So we met, so Mattersy has a lot of uh, special memories for us. So about seven years ago, AOG um, kind of set up its its National Ministry Centre at Mattersy. And I ended up working there, assisting Gary Rucci as the then mission director, and I ran the mission office for him. We'd been missionaries before in South Africa for a few years. So So we have that mission background as well as the pastoral background for helping missionaries in the the journey that they're on, and also understanding local church needs as they seek to connect with mission and missionaries. So I didn't realize at that point that I would be involved also at Mattersy Hall as a lecturer, but because I was doing my doctorate at that time, um, I just happened to be at the right place at the right time. God does that, doesn't he, for us? Without us having to elbow and make our own way, God positions us in places where we're meant to be. And so I've kind of been a little bit pigeonholed in recent years as a mission expert, as a missiologist, but I'm not here this morning to talk about mission. It's actually a bit of a refreshing change for me that God's given me permission to talk about something different and I'm not dismissing the importance of mission, it is so important but you'll sense that even just talking to me, how important that is for me. But this morning I I just felt to talk about something very, very different but because I've been a pastor for a long time, started off in North Wales, Wrexham when I was a very young guy, um, very young. Didn't look old enough to be a pastor back then. Um, So I started off in pastoral ministry. And I've often pastored in rural communities, small town communities, very similar to the one that you're in. So I understand the dynamics of your church. I understand the dynamics of Christianity. And it's, it's changing all the time. I find today that one of the biggest challenges for me, especially if I'm mentoring leaders, investing in students, is is, is not necessarily to challenge their beliefs, but actually to instruct in very personal development and growth issues. And so I'm here this morning to talk about healthy church, but maybe not in a way that you would imagine. You'd probably project uh, that I would talk about spiritually healthy church, but this morning, I just feel I want to talk about growing emotionally healthy church. Because I, I, I find in talking to leaders, one of the biggest issues for them, and also for the people that they lead, is in the area of our emotions. And often, emotions are something we, we, we struggle to talk about. We struggle to talk about our anger. We struggle to talk about our hurt. We struggle to talk about issues of jealousy because we feel like people are going to judge us. And particularly for men, we don't want to talk about our emotions. It's the last thing we want to talk about. So when you're dealing with leaders, with all the the kind of uh, defense mechanisms a leader will put around them, it's the last thing they want to talk about. Bible college students don't want to talk about their emotional needs. And yet it's often the area that I find myself mentoring people in the most. So I think it's a key subject that we need to address and not ignore in today's society because we've got people coming into places like church communities that struggle to identify themselves with the Christian faith and to connect their past, their background with the relevance of, of the message that Christianity affords. In Christ, we have a sense of knowing who we are. In Christ, we can find incredible security in belonging to Him who created us, who has loved us with an everlasting love. There is tremendous ministry that flows from God into our lives that we can be whole that we can be complete. So I think the Christian message has got everything to say about emotional wholeness, emotional completeness. So that's the kind of journey I want to take you on in about, what, half an hour we've got. All right. It's not enough time, but we will have a good go. So we look at the Corinthian church. And the Corinthian church seems to have been a church that was highly gifted, In terms of its spirituality. They were Pentecostal. (laughs) We're meant to be Pentecostal by the way. But I go around a lot of Pentecostal churches and you think. I'm sure the Anglicans are more Pentecostal than we are these days. But you know in all their spirituality. The biggest issues that Paul had to deal with. Were their excesses. Their relational issues, their emotions, their insecurities, their competitiveness, their jealousies. They were often the issues that the Apostle Paul had to speak into. So the Corinthian church, for all its spiritual growth, did not have an emotional growth that matched that. And so I believe that we need to speak into churches to ensure that whatever that growth curve looks like in terms of spirituality it is matched by an emotional growth curve that enables people to handle things like ministry leadership the call of god the purpose of god the fulfillment that god wants in our lives and that we don't damage ourselves or other people so the first thing that I want to share with you this morning is about the importance of belonging. The importance of belonging. For me, that is key as a need within all of us. Because if we don't know where we're meant to belong, if we don't understand our identity, we will struggle all our lives to try and prove something to ourselves and prove things to other people. And so even in our Christian walk, we somehow feel like I've got to do things. I've got to prove myself. I've got to earn my relationship with God. I've got to look good in, in front of other people. And if we don't have that security of understanding that we belong, we will struggle to be at peace with ourselves and with those around us. So let me just bring this thought to you that believing sorry belonging affects behavior belonging affects behavior to belong is that fundamental human need we remain emotionally fragile and broken if we don't understand where we are meant to belong and we're very aware aren't we that people have been damaged in their childhood in their early years because they've never understood even belonging in a family, that emotional attachment has not grown. It's not flourished because of the damage that has been done in those early years. And once we've been damaged in our awareness of belonging as children, as young people, as young adults, it is hard to overcome those things. It is hard to even grasp the thought that God wants us to know where we belong and within this Christian community within this family that we call local church there is a wonderful opportunity to discover we belong somewhere within the family of God like nowhere else there is that joy there is that privilege afforded to us that in the grace of God we can come to terms with who we are and where we're meant to belong so, belonging affects behavior. When we know where we're meant to belong, we don't have to be told what to do. We just do it instinctively because there is a joy in belonging. If, if I belonged to a, an angling association, because I value the environment of that river space, I wouldn't have to be told, don't throw plastic into the river. I wouldn't have to be told, you know, I've got to throw certain catchers back because they're too small. Because there is a value in belonging to that club and that privilege, I would know how to behave. Recently, I had the joy of going into the Kruger Park I took some students in with me from Matesi in South Africa. And there's a whole load of rules and regulations, like you shouldn't take firearms in to shoot animals. And you you shouldn't throw litter out of the windows. and You shouldn't feed animals. Now, I grew up um, for six, seven years in, in that environment of understanding the Kruger Park and have a great love for it. I don't need to be told the rules of the Kruger Park I've got to keep them out of enforcement. I love that place. There's a real sense of joy every time I go into that place. And you know, when we come into Christian church environment, it shouldn't be a case of the pastor coming around and saying, don't do this, don't do this. Because there is a joy of belonging, we will behave in a certain way. And this was the thing that Paul had to teach to the different churches of his day and generation. So in Galatians 5.24, it says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Why? What is the motive for dealing with those emotions, those basic desires, those things that fuel who we are, those passions... It's because we belong to Christ Jesus. We will take action in that area of our emotional needs. We take action because we understand we belong somewhere. And and we don't do those things to prove ourselves or, or to prove ourselves to God. We belong. And out of belonging and out of that privilege comes a desire to say, I need to sort this out in my life. I need to make sure this is good in my life. I need to make sure I'm whole because of what Christ has already done. You see, once we know we belong to Christ, once we understand that we carry that identity of Christ within our lives, then we ensure that we do the right things. It has a profound effect on our behavior. It will not be a case of as doing just what pleases us. It's not even a case of we're trying to do things to please other people. It's we know where we belong. And out of that belonging comes the right behaviour. So, I'm old enough to remember, you know, as a a little kid growing up in church, all the kind of culture, especially around the Sabbath... (laughs) You know, I was, I was told, you know, as a little kid, I couldn't watch TV on the, uh, uh, except for the news. Somehow you could watch the news still on TV, you know, but, but not anything else. We could listen to the radio and the archers, but we couldn't watch the TV. It's funny how you have all these kind of rules that actually don't follow through consistently. And that's the problem with rules, isn't it? But we, we, we behave out of our belonging. And so we honour God in our lifestyle, not because someone's enforcing something, but because we belong. There's a security in belonging. There is a sense of I'm where I need to be and this is what I need to do. And I want to say we value this local church community when we understand we belong here. When you know you belong here, the local church leadership won't need to come to you and say, we need you to do this, we need you to stop doing this, we need you to do this now. It it doesn't happen like that. There's just a sense of, I want to do what's right because I belong. I want to be fully engaged. I want to be fully into this community because it is just such an amazing community to belong in. Some people feel a rejection, a hurt, and so they drift away from that community. But Christ is saying, I'm calling you back into a sense of belonging. That's the whole story of the prodigal son, the father saying, But son, you're not a servant here, you're a son because you belong here, you're part of the house. Because he was saying, well, I'll be a servant, I'll do this, I'll be menial around it. No, no, no. You're a son. You belong. You might have been away, but you belong. And and even this morning, there may be somebody who's been away for a while, a prodigal. But God would say, you're a son of the house, you belong here. You're a daughter of the house, you belong here. Belonging is so important. Belonging is so important. Galatians 3.29 reminds us of the importance of belonging and how it changes us. If we, are now, we, if we now belong to Christ, we're part of God's family. Emotionally healthy churches have a strong sense of family belonging and attachment. Why do people sever themselves from church? It's because of emotional and spiritual detachment. Spiritual engagement and involvement is usually a product of belonging. It's usually because you feel that this is the place that you are attached to through being loved and valued. Not for what you do, but for who you are. Moving on. We must not confuse function with identity. I think there's all kinds of emotions wrapped up around this issue of where we confuse our importance with what we do and what title we carry. When I was born, my mum didn't love me and call me Dr. Lee the time I was born. I was just Lee I was just Lee I'm still Lee to her she's 93 I'm still Lee to her I'm not Dr. Lee I'm Lee I'm her son I'm her youngest son I'm Lee I'm important to her not because I'm I'm Dr. Lee but because I'm Lee so often we get into this environment of church and we we feel our sense of belonging is attached to what we do. And we've kind of bought into this deception of, give someone a job and they'll feel like they're important. But what happens when the job goes? What happens when maybe they can't do it anymore? That's what happens, by the way, to a lot of retired ministers they're no longer able to be a preacher or a pastor and they feel like they're no longer loved anymore. It's because we fail to understand our identity in Christ. Our belonging in Christ is not to do with our title. What we do flows out of belonging, but it doesn't define our belonging. And this was the issue that Paul had to deal with with the Corinthian church Because the Corinthian church were into all kinds of activity. But it was excessive. It was dysfunctional. It was competitive. It was done out of jealousies and rivalries. Does that sound like church today? Maybe not your church, but lots of other churches in other places. Leaders fall out. Leaders have spats. People leave church because often... They feel like they're not important in the hierarchy of church. And it's because we fail to understand our part and our sense of belonging in the body of Christ. And in in 1 Corinthians, Paul deals with this in this teaching in 1 Corinthians 12 to do with the body of Christ. But I don't know if you've ever thought of it like this. He says in 1 Corinthians 12, 15, If the foot says... I do not belong to the body. That word belonging again. If the foot says, I do not belong because I'm not a hand. That does not make it any less a part of the body. You see, we've confused functionality and belonging. If I'm not this, then I don't belong. If I'm not this, I can't belong. Where does that come from? It's not in the scriptures. The scriptures say, as we belong, we understand what we're meant to do. But if we are jealous, or if we are feeling like I need a greater identity, then we try to be more important by what we do. And we try and elevate ourselves by the titles or by the job description. But our belonging is our bedrock. Our belonging is our bedrock in the family of God. And we belong and we are loved unconditionally by God. That is our bedrock. So what I do in terms of my Christian ministry today and my leadership which has been, has been said nearly 40 years unbelievable. It, it shouldn't be about me feeling like I'm valued more because of that. There's something being skewed when we feel we're valuable because of what we do. Yeah. I have the great joy these days of actually not being stood here. The last seven years, I've not led a local church, and and I get a great joy in just sitting in many churches and just being anonymous, and it's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. It's liberating. And I wish a lot more leaders could do that. Because so often we get sucked into this thing of believing. It's because we stood here. Or we get to do certain things and have certain roles in church. Belonging. Must never be confused with our functionality. And I think... Paul realized that this is a, different, is a difficult message to get across because he used the first metaphor and then he switches the metaphor and changes it, but it's the same point. And in verse 16 it says, and if the ear says, I don't belong to the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? In church we compare jobs. I think certain people have more important jobs and we get this idea of hierarchy. And, and it, it doesn't help us in our understanding of belonging. You belong here. Whatever it is you do, whatever it is your title or function in this church, is first of all you need to tell yourself, I am a, a privileged to be a, a member of this family. Families don't think hierarchically. Families don't think about job descriptions. Families belong. Families love. Families stick together. Families work together. That's what families do. So belonging should never be confused with our functionality. Thirdly, because of time. Better move on. Emotionally healthy churches produce servants and not celebrities. Yeah. 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 I think I've got a favourable response there. <laughs> That's something I think you've identified with. I'm, I'm going to Philippians 2 here. And it, 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 verses 1 to 5 talks about your agreement with each other, your sense of belonging with each other, your union with each other, your attachments with each other. And he says, if you have any joy and any sense of privilege of being part of that Christian family, talking to the Philippians, he says, have this attitude that was in Christ Jesus. Be like-minded. Have that same outlook that Jesus had. And then he goes on with that incredible Christological hymn that talks about Christ, even though he had every right to be equal in every level with God the Father, he chose. He chose to be a servant. There needs to be a refreshing of this truth in the church today where we are put under such pressure because of things like now I'm on camera, social media, the height that is around our world today and even our Christian world because of those things. We have to be reminded at the end of the day we are privileged to be servants. We are privileged to be servants. Every one of us are servants. And it's the big equaler. It's the big level playing field that we're all on as Christians because we all belong in the same way. Because of the grace of Christ. Because he condescended. Because he stooped down to where we were in our broken, damaged world where we also, lest we forget, were broken and damaged. And in his grace he lifted us up every one of us, to belong to this amazing family. Christ, if anybody had the right to say, I'm parading my my rights here, I'm parading my titles here, I'm parading my history here, my achievements here, my CV. If anybody had any right, it was Jesus. He never paraded it. The one thing he always manifested, paraded, if you like, was his humility, his servanthood. His willingness to touch people who were on the fringes. His willingness to draw alongside people who are broken and not think, I'm better than them. Yeah. He actually hated, he despised being around the people that thought they were better than. Yeah. He loved to be with people who recognised who they really were, who were authentic in their need, in their situation. Jesus gave up his privileges and took the humble position of a servant. If we're servants, we're motivated by this, not our own self-interest, but the interests of others. Can I address something this morning with kindness that we live in a big me society where everybody seems to feel like everyone's got to revolve around their emotional needs and that is very draining when it comes to church but if we are servants who know where we belong we are positioned to help other people in those needs and those issues rather than say, I'm needy, I'm broken. Let's, out of our belonging in Christ, come to a place of saying, I might not have much to offer, I've been a broken person, but I can reach out to other people who have been on the same journey, the same pathway as me. That's the place we need to be in our emotional health. Not inward looking, but outward looking. And that's where the missionary comes out in me. The fourth thing and the final thing I want to share is emotionally healthy churches promote empathy. They nurture empathy. Empathy means more than sympathy. I can sympathize with someone from a distance. I can have sympathy, I can have pity without really ever getting involved in that person's life. I, I can be very at a distance and think, oh, I feel very sorry for that person in that situation. I can feel very sorry for those people in another part of the world who have gone through been refugees or, or gone through some kind of natural disaster or civil war. I can feel a, a measure of sympathy and pity, but that's not Empathy. Empathy means that I remove the distance between myself and the person, and I draw into their world, and I connect with them. That's what empathy does. Empathy means I listen to what their situation is, and I engage with them. Empathy means that I I bond my heart and my spirit with theirs. Empathy means that I am touched by what they've been through, because I've been through it myself, and there is an identification with, and and, and our empathy means that we incarnate our love and our compassion, We, we give it legs, we give it hands, we give it feet, we give it expression, that's what empathy does, so what does this have to do with Emotionally Healthy Church? Well, Paul wrote these words again to the Corinthians in the same passage about the body. And it's often forgotten about these words when we talk about the body of Christ. It says in verse 26, if one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. Is that empathy? Also, it says, and if one part is honored, all the other parts are glad. If we truly belong in community together, then we won't just be so self-absorbed with what's going on in our world. It won't just be about our story, our circumstances, our journey, our problems, our difficulties. But it will be a case of we get involved with each other's lives. And dare I say it, emotionally healthy churches are not just then about Sunday mornings. We connect with each other in life. We connect with each other in doing life together, in relating to one another, in saying, I can't just go a whole week and someone's got a battle going on in their world and ignore it and pretend it isn't happening. I've got to step into that situation to help. No, not just the pastor, not just the leader, We are a body together. We belong together in the same family. So, belonging and emotionally healthy churches means we all belong with each other. We all empathize with each other. We all hurt when somebody else hurts. Not just the pastoral team hurting when someone hurts, but we all hurt. We all have that empathy. We all have that engagement. We all have that sense of who's reaching out to them? Should it be me? Am I best placed? Is my journey meaning that I'm actually better placed to help them and draw them someone? Because I've been there myself. So we can't ignore what's going on in somebody else's world. When I was a pastor at Louth, I was there for 14 years after coming back from South Africa... And within the first few months, there was a, a young guy in my church, and he was admitted to um, the Lincoln Psychologic, Psychiatric Ward. And it was a big mess. He had severe mental health issue. And I was the one I had to take him to the hospital and get him admitted because I knew he couldn't be on his own. I, I realized it was the best place for him. But there was something inside of me that, that hurt... That, that, that he was in this place, and and I vowed at that moment, God, I never want to see this guy admitted again. Something's got to change. So God said, "So, what are you prepared to do then?" And for 14 years, I met with him every Wednesday for half an hour, and just said, "David, tell me what are the issues that trigger your voices, that trigger your fears, that trigger your anxieties." tell me what those are and every week he would tell me what his voices were and what those thoughts were and what those anxieties were and then we would read the scriptures usually the gospels or a psalm Uh, I always avoided revelation and things like that because I thought that would not do someone like him any good Um, we kept it onto those kind of scriptures and then I would pray for him and he would pray for me because I wanted to draw out something from him as well that wasn't self-absorbed 14 years, he was never readmitted to hospital because every week I stepped in, just for half an hour, it's no big deal, but just for half an hour, the grace of God, the empathy of God was able to step into his situation and defuse his schizophrenia. God cares about people and he wants us to care. But you know what, sometimes it's easier for us, because it's nice to be needed, isn't it? It's easy sometimes to get involved pastorally into people's needs. We, some of us actually love wading into those areas, because we feel like, hey, I'm, this is great. It's, I'm in my forte here. I'm in my strengths here. Sometimes it's more challenging for us when somebody else has been successful when somebody else has done well, when somebody has had a win on the board, for us to say, isn't that great? Because in our emotional damage, we, if we're honest with ourselves, we don't like it when other people are doing well and we're not. Or so we think. And within the Christian community, one of the big things that will liberate us into emotional health and blessing is when we learn... To honour those that have been honoured. To celebrate and enjoy the success of others. One of the things for me as a leader now, 40 years on, is, is to realise that every person I, I have invested in is to see them being bigger people than me. It's to be better leaders than me. It's, it's to exceed anything that I have done. And I just love it. I just love it. I love it that the young lady who took over the church from me in Louth is doing a far better job leading that church than I I ever did. That's wonderful. You're looking at me as if I'm crazy. I love it. It is brilliant that when someone succeeds and, and exceeds expectations, we need to celebrate when people do well. And in local church life, one of the signs that we are emotionally healthy is when we learn how to honour and celebrate one another. To say, isn't it great that that person's had a promotion in their job? Isn't it great that they've got this property that God has blessed them with? Isn't it amazing when God has brought breakthrough in marriages and families? We need to celebrate. We need to celebrate when someone... is is doing well financially and not just because they're going to be an even better tither in the local church. We just need to celebrate with pure reasons and motives what God is doing in people's lives. But we have to be at a place where we know where we belong, where we know what our identity is, where we are secure. Otherwise, the emotional... Giants of insecurity, of jealousy, resentment, hurt, bitterness will rise up within us. And we need to overcome those things because we are secure where we belong in the love of Christ. Knowing he's our father and he's got a perfect plan for all of our lives. Okay? Will you just stand with me? Lord, I, I thank you for this church. I thank you for what you're growing in this place of Abergavenny. I thank you for this congregation, this community, this family. And I pray, on oh God, Lord, that um, in this family there will be signs of health at every level. Spiritual health. Emotional health. Relational growth. Growth within their extension of reach into people's lives. And Lord, even this morning, there may be people that need you because of past brokenness, of past hurt and offence. Oh God, I pray that they will come before you this morning with the grace of forgiveness, the grace of your unconditional love in their lives. Causing them to let go of the past and its damage. That they might step into wholeness. They might step into the privileges of your grace. Of belonging to you. And belonging to this wonderful family. Lord I pray that this community here. Of Gateway Church in Abergavenny. In this area of Wales. Might be known for its love. Might be known for its honouring, might be known for its empathy, might be known for its security, might be known for its relational qualities Lord may this be a family where your love is known and shed abroad unconditionally in your precious name Amen Amen Let's take a few moments